Good day. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of Creation Talk. My name is Joe Tay, and with me is Dr. Robert Carter. Hi, Dr. Carter. Hey, so Joe. today we are dealing with a really interesting topic. In fact, I know you have written many articles, and this is a three-part article that you have written about species and how they are designed to change. And for a lot of people, you know, speciation sounds like a boring topic, but this is one of the most exciting um, articles I think on our website. Oh, thanks. Because you have contributed to a lot of interesting ideas. So we're going to talk about some of this today. So we're going to deal with a few myths about what people believe. It's kind of funny because the audience has no idea how much time we spent talking about this uh-huh. and how we decided to divide this up because there is too much for one Creation Talk episode. That's right. We're yes. not even sure how many we're going to make, but it's at least three parts on this one subject. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more that's coming, so stay tuned, you know. So there are a lot of myths associated with speciation and change and what the Bible says and what people claim that the Bible says. Yes, right. And we came up with three myths. Yes. What's the first myth that we're going to talk about? Okay, so the first misconception is this idea that creationists teach that God created all species as we see today. Yeah. But okay, before we deal with that, species and created kind, that's a big word that comes out a lot. We need to define some terms. Yeah. So... What's the difference? What's the created kind and what's the species? Well, it's really hard to define the word species. Why is that? Because we don't have a definition. As a scientist, I can't say this is the definition of the word. And the word is used differently depending on context. I mean, doesn't species refer to a creature that can't mate or cross with one another? That would be the biological species concept, which I love to use all the time. So if wolves and dogs can breed together, that's just one species. We shouldn't give them two different species names. And it's controversial because that's not the only definition we have. Yeah, geologists use different species definition. Like what? what well, what if two say? things look different in a rock record, they call them two different species. Even but, though they could be interbreed. Well, we can't know because they're dead. Okay. All like right. trilobites. I mean, there's thousands or at least hundreds of species of trilobites out there, but we don't know actually how many species there really are because we can't do breeding experiments or extinct. So even the word species is kind of yeah. loose in that sense or yeah. like interchangeable. What, what's the, what do you call that? For instance, after Charles Darwin collected finches on the Galapagos Islands. Yes. You know, the, this classic error that he made is he didn't label which island he collected them from. Because he said he never expected one island to the next to be different. I mean, if they're in the same tropical location. Why would there be different species on the different islands, he wrote. So they used the collection of Captain Fitzroy... The uh-huh. Christian on board, the captain, to sort out Darwin's finches, to call them Darwin's finches, which is kind of funny. But one of the taxonomists back in London, when he was sending the birds back, said, these are good species. And we're left with the question, what on earth is he talking about? In other words, he said that he thought that he could separate these things into groups easily. Yes. Therefore, he called them species. But that means nothing today. Because they overlap? Because is that a genetic determination? No. Mm-hmm. Is that a, a reproduction determination? No. He was just saying that, hey, I can separate these things into groups. So uh-huh. he called them species. And that's what Charles Darwin was dealing with. If he could separate things, okay, that is all, all blue. These all have little beaks and these guys only live in the treetops. Whatever you could use to separate them, he would call them different species. But it's completely irrelevant. Because they may hybridize. Because they might hybridize. Okay. But that idea didn't come out into the 1900s. Okay. The biological species concept is a 1900s idea. Mm. 
Yeah, it's an evolutionary idea, but whatever, I like to use it. So a created kind is different. What's a created kind? The Bible doesn't talk about species. The Bible talks about God creating independent groups, plants and animals, mm. to reproduce within themselves. I define species, I'll let you define created kinds. Okay, so Rob, so a species is a biological species. It's, a, it's two creatures that can breed together, but we already said that that's not always the case. So many creatures that we know today can hybridize, we give them different species name. Yeah, dogs because, and wolves, for example. Yeah, or, or lions, tigers, right? Lions and tigers, yeah. That's right. So we give them a different species name, even though we know they can hybridize. Yeah. So when we talk about created kind, um, we are dealing with what God originally created. So for example, God would have created the cat kind at the beginning, or the feline kind, and that would include the cats, the lions, the tigers, all the early ancestors of those creatures, and they would have been able to hybridize. So in other words, um, it, so in many cases, we can actually have many so-called species within one created kind. Yes. Okay. So when we say created kind, we're referring to the original creation, the yes. original creatures that God created. But the Bible doesn't specify where the boundaries between these kinds are. Oh. It, it talks in very general terms. There are land animals, there are plants, there are sea creatures, there are flying things. Mm-hmm. Well, how many different kinds of flying things? Oh, I don't know. Yes. That's an area where creation science comes in and we, we look and we examine. And we say, okay, we think that all elephants are one created kind. Okay. African elephants, Indian elephants, one created kind. I would throw woolly mammoths in there also. Yes. Because they have the same teeth. They're very similar. I'm not sure about mastodons. Yes. Because they have very different teeth. Okay. So it could be... There a could different be kind. two different created kinds or one created kind with lots of diversity, but that's something that we work out over time. And we'll discuss some of this diversity later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but the point is, God created groups of individuals to reproduce within themselves and not reproduce with other individuals. Yes, that's That's right. not a species concept. Mm-hmm. The species derive from the created kinds. So, so let's deal with the first misconception. Right, first misconception. Right, it's this idea that creationists teach that God created all species as we see today. Why is that wrong? It's not biblical. Aristotle taught that. So Aristotle taught that creatures remain the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, contrary to other Greek philosophers who were teaching some kind of evolutionary ideas way back when, Aristotle said, no, everything stays the same. So this is not something from the Bible, it's Aristotle. Yeah, it's not something from the Bible. In fact, we have a great example in the Bible itself of a species changing really quickly. Mm -hmm. And that is when Jacob bred speckled and spotted sheep from a flock that had no speckled and spotted sheep. That'll be very interesting. In fact, I think you want to have a whole talk just on this, look at the genetics. I think we should, because I wrote an entire article on that one subject. Okay. But what, what about this speckled sheep for those who are not familiar with this story? Okay. Jacob was working for his father-in-law, Laban, and he wanted out. Yes. And he said, look, don't pay me anything. I'm only going to take the speckled and spotted sheep when they appear. Mm -hmm. He collects all the speckled and spotted sheep in the flock, and he puts them with the sons, and he brings them three days away. So Jacob's starting off with an all-white flock. Yes. And then he breeds from that white flock massive amounts of non-white sheep. Speckled sheep. and um, That diversity was hiding in the flock. Yes. So we started with something that looked like one thing. Within a couple of generations, the coat color had changed. Mm. That doesn't sound like a big deal. It's just coat color. No, that's a big deal for an evolutionist because they're claiming that all these different coat colors like polar bears and brown bears and zebras, that coat color patterns have a huge impact on 
you know, so-called evolutionary trajectory. Ah, okay. And we saw a change quickly. In a few generations. Within a created kind. Okay. Well, so the Bible clearly tells us that kinds can change. And quickly as well. And quickly, yes. We don't need millions of years. We can do it fast. Mm-hmm. And we actually have a few other instances where the Bible talks about how creatures change very quickly after the worldwide flood. Yes. Yeah, so here's one example. So in Genesis chapter 15, God is talking to Abraham and he talks about a female goat and a ram, a sheep, a turtle dove and a pigeon in that same verse. And we know that sheep and goats, some of them can breed with one another today, which means they're the same created kind. That's actually shocking to people. When they hear that sheep and goats can interbreed, yeah, they can. Depends on which breed you're trying. That's right. But they're absolutely, you can hybridize these two things. So they're the same created created kind. kind. And by this time, when God's speaking to Abraham, sheep and goats can be differentiated from one another. And that's only a couple hundred years after the flood? This is 427 years after the flood. Yeah, give or take a year or two. Yeah, yeah. it's about 75 years old. And in the very same verse, it talks about turtle doves and pigeons. And doves and pigeons are Absolutely the same created kind. Yes, they hybridize as well. So if you want to be a biblical creationist, you have to believe that creatures speciate very quickly. Yeah. In fact, the dodo bird. Yes. The extinct dodo bird was just a giant fat pigeon. (laughs) I think that's surprising to a lot of people. It really is. Well, especially because they see the pictures from the 1800s. Yes. Where it was all distorted. That's not really how a dodo looked. So the artist kind of drew it kind of funky looking. Uh-huh, like clumsy bird. Yeah, it was really, it was a giant fat pigeon <laughs> that couldn't fly anymore. Yes. But it was a pigeon. So things change. Yep. We know this. And here's another one. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned Jacob. So Jacob talks about spotted animals, uh, spotted and speckled animals, sheep in this case. Yeah. And you point out how it happens quickly. But in the same passage in Genesis 30 to 32, again, it talks about goats and sheep. And of course, this passage is just 512 years after the flood. So that's Jacob. In Jacob's time. Jacob's time. Okay. Yeah. And then the other example that you noticed was in the in Job. book of Job. In Job chapter 39, verse 5. And again, later in verse 19, it talks about the donkey and the horse. And again, we know that donkeys and horse can hybridize. To produce a mule, the mules mule. are sterile, right? Well, not always. Not always. And that's, yes. that's another kicker. I think it was in Morocco 10 or 15 years ago, there was a female mule, which is called a hinny, yes. that made it with a donkey and produced a foal. That's really interesting. Yeah, Very interesting. Yeah. So, But the point here is that they have to be the same created kind to be able to hybridize even. Be- because creatures were created to reproduce after, after their, their own kind. kind. Yes. So this is a biblical worldview we are trying to present here. Yeah. Now 300 there, to 400. Let, let, me, let me throw something in here, though, because this is going to sound like creationist heresy. Yes. If all things were cursed, yes. the boundaries between kinds could yes. also be cursed. cursed as well. And you could theoretically get some hybridizations between things that weren't initially the same created kind. Yeah, at least maybe in uh, development, maybe the first few stages of development. Maybe or you might be able to get a completed individual. It's just, just that that doesn't sound like the creationist idea. That's right. It's possible, but. But in, according to genetics, we know it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Humans and chimpanzees cannot produce viable offspring because the genes on our chromosomes aren't in the same place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So as, as a, if fertilization could even happen, as it that develops, as it develops embryo the was developing, you get different genes in different cells and you get absolute chaos and the whole system collapses. That's right, yeah. So the only way to get hybridization is if you have the same chromosome count and the genes are in the same places on the same chromosomes, well, that's basically the definition of a created kind right there. Interesting. But horses and donkeys have different chromosomes. 
Yes, that's right. So how do you explain that in a creation worldview? Well, I would say that if there was the same created kind, which I do believe that there was a chromosomal abnormality in one or the other at some time since Noah's flood. And that's actually quite common. In fact, in this case, oh, yeah. like we see three, four hundred years after the flood, this had already occurred. Yeah. Okay. So right. that's the first myth. So we have already uh, established that if you want to be a biblical creationist, you have to believe that animals speciate quickly according to their kind. According to their kind, according to scripture. Second misconception. Okay, myth number two is what? Yeah, that's where we're going to hear. All species have remained in the same location where they were initially created. I have a hard time with this. Why is that? Because I've never thought that. Hmm. And I'm not sure if I know people who think that. Yeah, so this is not taught about, not taught nowadays. Yeah, but it was definitely something people believed in the 1700s, 1800s, and Darwin was fighting that. Darwin was fighting that. So this is an idea that came from Charles Lyell and Lyell, other people. I, I assume that he got it from earlier uh -huh. uh, people, that he didn't just make this up, but it was called the centers of creation. Uh -huh. You get this group of animals that God created in the Galapagos, this group of animals that God created in North America, a group of animals that God created in South America. And when you see representations of the same animal in, both, in different places, they look a little different. Yes. So the... You know, the bears of North America are different than the bears of South America, and they're different than the bears of Europe and Asia. Because God created bears, but different bears in different places, just as we see them today. Charles Lyell believed in this. Yes. And he wasn't a creationist. No. Now, who's Lyell? Come on, we're talking about this guy. Who's this guy? So this was a guy as a geologist. Uh, he, he's really he, a lawyer. A lawyer. He's a lawyer oh, who so not wrote about okay. rocks and Earth's history. Okay, and he influenced... Charles Darwin. Yeah, when Darwin got on board the Beagle for his five-year trip around the world, Captain Fitzroy gave him a present, which is Lyell's mm -hmm. first volume. And so in other words, what we are saying is that this idea that these centers of creation, that creatures are where, uh, they, they first originate where they're found today, is really an idea that is promoted by Charles Lyell and many of these people in the past. Yeah, but why don't we believe that as creationists? Well, if you what's start with the, the Bible. Big, yeah, what's the big thing in the Bible that tells us this cannot be true? The flood. The flood. <laughs> yeah. Right, so the worldwide flood would destroy all animals, land creatures. All, all land, land animals, yes. Yeah, except for those on the ark. On the ark. And so from the ark, they have to spread out and get to where they're going. It's very rapid. Yeah, so the, whole, the idea that God created everything just as they are today is not biblical. And exactly where they are today is completely contrary to what the Bible actually says. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so... A listener, if you happen to have believed that, it's time to let it go. Because yes. biblically, it's not true. In fact, Genesis 8, 17, it's very clear. So this is after the flood. Tells Noah, bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. No, it's after the flood. It's after the flood. So God, God says, bring them out of the ark and let them spread out across the earth. That's right. Okay, case closed. I guess we don't even have to talk about that anymore. So, worldwide dispersion after the flood. Okay, what's myth number three? Okay, so this is the third one. God is a myth that God create only two of each kind at the beginning. And this is, I think, the biggest one because That's when people big one. understand this, everything clicks. I have gotten in arguments with creationists about this. It's just a, an assumption that most people make. And I just it's just not true. I mean, Clearly, when God created the earth, he created an, e an ecology across the world. That's right. So there are beetles and earthworms and bacteria everywhere, or else you wouldn't have trees and entire environments would just collapse. That's right. You needed all those things. But talking about land animals, yes. didn't Adam name all the animals? Yeah, he named the animals. But what about the animals outside of Eden? 
So imagine Adam's walking around naming a bunch of animals and he sees a couple of dogs, a male and a female. Uh-huh. He names one Fido and one Fifi. <laughs> yes. No, he said, those are dogs. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so later on, if he saw more dogs, he would have said, hey, these are dogs also. That's right. And after he gets kicked out of, out of Eden, he might have run into some other dogs. Hey, those are dogs. Those dogs look a little different than the other dogs, but they're still very dog-like. But doesn't the Bible say that God made Adam and Eve as a pair? Yes. So it's only, only mankind. Oh, well, we don't know how many platypuses God made. Okay. But we do know that he only made two human beings. That's right. And those two human beings, people take that and apply that to animals. Yeah, that's not true. Well, yeah. it's not necessarily true. We can't know. Uh-huh. We do not know how many elephants, how many horses, how many dogs God created. So they could be a million dinosaurs at the beginning. There could have been a million dinosaurs at the beginning. Okay. And different created kinds. In fact, probably about 100 kinds of dinosaur. Yeah. Probably less than that, maybe 50. Yeah, 60 maybe. Yeah, Yeah, it depends on where you draw the line between all the sauropod-like dinosaurs, how many groups of those things are there, and all the theropod dinosaurs, but maybe 40 or 50 groups, 100 at the very most. Yeah, and within each kind, we have many different individuals. But he could have created multiple individuals per kind. So why does this solve the issue of diversity? Because there are a lot of species in the fossil record. Okay. I mean, hundreds of species of dinosaur. Actually, only a couple of hundred, but many more times that. Trilobites, corals, sponges, clams. I mean, there's so many species of clams. I mean, they're almost beyond counting. And so this is key because at the beginning when God created animals, it's not just a genetic diversity in two creatures. There could be a lot more that can be contained in just two. Yes. And if you create all that genetic diversity, you have a recipe for species changing over time quickly uh. and species multiplying even from something that looks kind of generic you can divide it up into very discrete looking species if you have you know i don't know crabs in one river versus another river mm-hmm. and they could just look very different because they don't they can't exchange genes mm-hmm. but they are the same species they're same created kind we should say so what do we believe in cmi just to sum up what we have discussed here today we believe the species change yeah that god created species to change yes and that God's rich and creative diversity is amazing. Mm-hmm. Probably all the evidence used by Charles Darwin in The Origin of Species fits with creationist ideas. Yes, that's right. Of course, species change. Duh. Ah, and then the question is, how much change is allowed? Mm-hmm. We would put that cap on uh, as long as the change doesn't exceed the design specifications. Yes. That species, that individual can survive. Okay. But you can't get an elephant that's 30 feet tall, it would die. Yes. You can't get a horse that's one inch tall. It can't live. Mm-hmm. But, but within horse kind, there's a lot of range of potential change that's allowed in the creation model. That's very interesting because when we put all these three things together, we have a very different picture from what most people assume. Because most people have this idea, biblical creationists, you know, you only have two creatures at the start. Well, evolutionists, you have lots of diversity. We're saying it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Creationists have lots of diversity. And evolutionists have, have to start with a little bit of diversity. Because of their belief in universal common ancestry. So that just turns everything. All species down. in the evolutionist mind have to go back to one or a few individuals. And then diversity has to come through mutation and natural selection and whatnot. It has to grow over time. But we start with a fantastic amount of diversity and potential for change. Therefore, just about everything an evolutionist wants to talk about for change over time fits beautifully within the creation model. I hope you enjoyed that and learned something new. 
Join us because we're going to have a next session where we're going to talk about how God has designed us to generate diversity as well. Oh,